0: We've also been wanting to come by for quite a while just to say thank you, Clear River, because we are partners in the gospel and the things that we get to share today and the things that you hear, I, I want us to realize that's what we've done together. It's a we thing, and we're very thankful for that. So let's begin this way today, all right? Uh, I want you to find your pulse. Uh, check your wrists, on your neck, whatever the case may be, all right? Uh, if your neighbor's having trouble finding one, uh, don't get too nervous, just help them find it, all right? But uh, I know it's early in the morning, but let's find a pulse, okay? Found it? Got it? Okay. Can you feel that beat? If you went on a personal crusade in life to reach one person with the gospel with every beat of your pulse, on planet Earth today, it would take you over 73 years to reach every person that has yet to discover life and love in Jesus Christ with every beat of your pulse. Today, 24 people every minute go into eternity without ever hearing the name of Jesus one time. 86% of Hindus and Muslims have never even met a follower of Jesus. Over 2 billion people on our planet do not even have access to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Over 7,000 people groups on planet Earth that have yet to have a church planted on their soil and in their language, people in those language groups and cultures, couldn't find Jesus if they tried right now, because no one has taken the gospel to them yet. So after 41 years of marriage and ministry, hard to believe, all right, uh, Becky and I have one goal in life, okay, and it is to do everything we can to see the gospel reach people who have never had the chance to hear his name one time. Now, we, we've dreamed a lot of ministry dreams over the years, but in this season of life, one dream consumes us, and that is for languages on earth to be heard in heaven in worship for the very first time. You think heaven gets excited about that? Yeah. Languages in, on earth to be heard in heaven in worship for the very first time. So uh, partnering and in, in Uh, In Vietnam, partnering in Laos, Vietnam, 100 million people, over 54 unreached tribal groups. Laos, a tiny nation, over 7 million people, but over 100 language groups, yet without a church in their languages on their soil. God is opening up amazing doors in partnership. Ten years now in Colombia, it's hard to believe, and and, and Clear River, these ten years, you guys have been with us the entire time. Thank you. Ten years now in Colombia, we've worked in over 20 tribes. A couple of years ago... (laughs) Pinch me, I got to do this. I baptized the first known believers ever from the Newcock tribe. For the first time in history, praise is going to the throne of God in the Newcock language. We've got our first young couple being trained for ministry there. We've got four young Colombians in ministry on the ground there among the two Newcock. Now God has opened a door for a tribe we've been praying with for the entire 10 years, the Yarwacos tribe, Northern Andes, about the 6,000-foot level, the Yahuacos Fifty-seven thousand people. Very private. Government officials don't get in. Missionaries don't get in. They're they're just a law unto themselves. Very private and very proud people. But God has opened a door. Heavily persecuted, but God has opened a door. And and uh, we have four missionaries on the ground now. Helman's daughter and son-in-law are, are are leading the crusade, the ministry there. And and God has opened a door. The that, that, elementary schools on Arhuacos soil are being opened to our young missionaries. They are ministering. They are teaching ethics classes. God is, they're streaming from their villages down in the little town of Port de Beja. We have a ministry center being established. They're coming to church. They're getting saved. God is doing unprecedented things. And we believe in a short time we're going to see the first ever church planted on Arhuacos soil and in the Arhuacos language. God is doing some just really, really cool things. And uh, in the middle of, we got the first floor done of a training center, a meeting room, a classroom, uh, restrooms, a kitchen upstairs, apartments for the missionaries and all that kind of stuff. God's doing some really cool t- stuff, and we're very, very thankful. Um, also, and uh, maybe you mentioned, remember last time we were here, we were just starting Agor- Agora College, and we, if you can imagine a YWAM DTS married to four-credit degree-seeking fully accredited uh, learning. Uh, We're now in our eighth year of Agora College. That's really hard to believe, all right? But in the last three years, we've had 17 students graduate their bachelor's degrees, 11 earn their associate's degrees. We have 11 of our graduates on church staffs now in Northeast Ohio. We have 18 students called to full-time missions. They've got business degrees, humanitarian leadership degrees, ministry degrees, but they're being called to Turkey, they're being called to Yemen, they're being called to Vietnam, they're being called to Laos, they're being called to Japan, they're being called to France. And, and, and we, we get to train next generation leaders to reach the tribes and the peoples of the world and we're very excited about it. Uh, this, um, this college partnership that we have, um, I don't know if you know that the cost of college is going up these days. Anybody knows that one? So, if you can imagine 30 credit hours a year, fully furnished apartments, a grocery stipend, 12 hours of ministry cross culture in the city to be engaged in, and a one month missions trip as a part of their second semester every year, and a three credit internship in the field that they're going into every semester for four years. And that all being done for less than $15,000 a year with fast foot grants and loans as a part of it as well. It's a pretty cool thing. So, if you're interested in college or Guys, it might be interested to come talk to me, all right, after service. But again, thank you. Okay, let's get, we got to get rolling here, don't we? Okay, here we go. Um, have you ever heard the phrase, it's not how you start, it's how you finish, it's how you finish. isn't that right? What, that phrase just implies, even if you got off to a bad start, you can still finish strong. Even if you made bad choices along the way, you can still turn it around. That's the essence of that phrase. Now, in Ephesians 2 that we read earlier, in verses 1 through 3, Paul says this, this is who you once were. This is how you started in this whole thing, all right? You were dead in sin. You walked according to this world. You were influenced by the prince of the power of the air. You lived in your lust, indulging your flesh. To sum it up, Paul says just flat-out children of wrath. But in verse 4, I love these words, all right? But God. Hallelujah. That's right. Remember the day that God interrupted your life, and you once were that, but you weren't that anymore? But God, Paul says who is rich in mercy, made us alive together with Christ. And today, right now, according to Ephesians 2, we are seated together with Christ in heavenly places. And today, Paul says, as we get to the end of that passage, we are his workmanship. Individually and collectively, we are his workmanship. We are his poema, his work of art, his masterpiece. He is doing something in us, and he has created, foreordained, good works that we would walk in together from our neighborhood to the nations. God is setting this all up. God has already marked it out. God has divine appointments. God has opened doors. He has set it up all in advance. I'm sitting in a room of people I know today. I imagine there's some pretty cool, this is who I was stories in this room. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's who you were. Not anymore, amen? Not anymore. God's work of art, God's workmanship. So as followers of Jesus, we believe grace, restoration, that our God is the God of the second chance but today clear river as we hunger to be that life-giving river from Manassas to the nations. I want to say this morning, it's it's not just how you finish, but it's also how you start sometimes. How we start has daily impact on how we will finish, both in the big picture of our calling and in our daily walking in the good works that God has foreordained for us. In his book, Begin with the Why, Simon Sinek made this observation. He said, most leaders and companies begin uh, with the what, followed by the who, the how, and the where. But he said, great companies and great leaders begin with the why. They begin with the why. It's, it's Dell versus Apple. Dell says, we're going to build you, what, a great computer. Apple says, we're going to enhance the quality of your life. That's the big why for Apple. They begin with the why. And in this room, there are many assignments from Jesus. Assignments in church, assignments in business, assignments in the arts, assignments in education. You know, in Christ, we say to Gloria, in Christ, there are no career tracks, only callings. Career tracks are things where guidance counselors help us pick out jobs where we think we'll be happiest or make the most money. Callings are things that Jesus has been dreaming for us since before the day we were born. Yeah. He has a calling on our life. vocare, a calling to service, all right? No matter our passion, though, no matter our calling, I believe, in essence, we all share the same why. We don't get to pick out our why. It's given to us by the Spirit who has called us, Ephesians 2. And God's big why is simply this encompasses. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That is the big why of our purpose on planet Earth. That's why we're a church. That's why we're disciples of Jesus. God's big why. Uh, that's God's big why for the dream, the call that he's putting on your lives he has for you. Now several years ago we had a student come to us. Her, <clears throat> her name was Sarah. Sarah is just absolutely delightful. All right. She found us on the internet. She um, Well, here's Sarah's story. Thirteen years old, family tradition in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, They would go for a walk in the metro park along the river. Mom, dad, her older sister, and her family dog. And on this particular Christmas day, as they're walking and having fun, the dog messing around in the riverbank slips in, and the dog ends up in the river. Mom tries to save the dog. Mom tries to save dad. Dad tries to save mom. And Sarah and her older sister watched on Christmas day as mom and dad drowned in the river. It became national news. Sarah said, totally unchurched home, Sarah said, all I wanted to do from that day forward was to make my parents proud of me. She said, um, I, I, I poured myself into my grades. I made myself a straight-A student. I poured myself into it. She was track girl. I poured myself into my track and my cross country. And as she was doing everything she could to make her parents proud, as she went through high school, a friend on her track team invited her to Young Life. And Sarah discovered Jesus and became a disciple. An incredible disciple. She graduated. She went to a Christian college her first year. She had a miserable experience. She wanted to go on a missions trip. She found us on the internet. We were taking a team for three weeks that that year into the Amazon, uh, Peruvian Amazon, and she became a part of that team. Three days later, she signed up to be a part of Agora. She came to classes with us, graduated with a degree in in intercultural studies. But that first year, as we went into Southeast Asia on our one-month mission trip, Sarah was on a team that went into Myanmar. We were doing all kinds of work in Myanmar, but one day, they took us outside the city to an orphanage. And Sarah, it was her day to share her story. And she stood on that stage with 60 or 70 kids sitting cross-legged on the floor in front of her. And she said, she started with, her, She said, you know what, guys? I understand I'm an orphan, too. But I'm, I'm not alone I've got a father who loves me. He never leaves me. And she, I couldn't believe she held it together. All right? And she shared for about 15 minutes, and it was delightful, and these kids were riveted. And Sarah stepped off the stage and walked into the hallway of that little orphanage, and Becky followed her out. She turned around and saw Becky, and boom, gave her the biggest, and just, boom, it all, it all broke loose. Everything she was holding inside. But Sarah was frustrated. Type A, get her done. Sarah said, all my friends know what God's calling their life. What is God calling me to? What is God calling me to? And we left that team in Myanmar. We joined a team in Taiwan, our other team in Taiwan. And at the end of that trip, the two teams met up in Tokyo, and we flew back to the States together. Well, Sarah's team got in before ours. And as Becky and I got off the plane, we're going to walk down the hallway in the airport. Here comes track girl with everything she's got. God's told me what I'm going to do with my life. I'm going to serve the underprivileged children of Asia for the rest of my life. Today, Sarah is living <clears throat> in northern Laos. She's a full-time missionary, teaching English to over 100 kids a day, and being a part of a team that is doing treks into the unreached tribes in northern Laos. Now, Sarah contacted us earlier in the year. She said, you need to pray for a friend of mine. Um, this friend doesn't know the Lord, he's Lao, and I had actually met this guy on one of my trips into northern Laos. There's this, in their town, Siem Quang, there's this semi-western, Siem Kwong, by the way, is the most heavily bombed province in the history of the world, lying right on the Ho Chi Minh Trail. And uh, I, in this semi-western restaurant called Bamboozle, there was a young guy there that had really pretty good English. He taught himself English by watching American TV and tending bar. His goal was to learn English. And he learned English well enough, he said to our partners over there, he said, any chance that I could teach at your school? And he's Lao. He knows English. And, And so he became a part of the team, began to attend the Bible studies. He comes to Christ. And what we did not understand was he was born and raised in a tribe that has never heard the name of Jesus before. Sarah, rooted in God's big why for her life, trains this, let's call him Lim, for obvious reasons I can't give you his name, all right? Uh, But but she, she begins to minister and disciple Lim, and Lim is now just thoroughly immersed in God's big dream and purpose for his life. And so Lim and one of our missionary friends and two Lao pastors made the trek to his tribe. They spent four days there the first time. And, and as they were there, um, um, my friend Abe related to me. I wasn't able to be on this trip, but he said, he said, we were just building relationship. We weren't sharing the gospel yet or anything like that. They, they don't know anything. And so Lim lay, leans over to my friend Abe and says, do you think I should tell him I'm a Christian? This is his uncles and tribal leaders sitting across the table from him. And Abe says, do, do whatever's in your heart if that's what you feel. And Lim just pipes up and says to these guys, and he says, hey, we're all Christians on this side of the table. And suddenly the word's out. And for the next 12 hours, they're sharing the gospel. Hmm. The loud pastors are in heaven. They're going from Genesis to Revelation and not skipping anything. And, and God has opened this door to this totally unreached tribe. Sarah, rooted in God's big dream, has been infectious, has passed it on to this young man, and now... We believe with him that there'll be a, tr- a church planted in their language and on their soil. And praise will be going to the throne of God in that language Amen. for the first time. <laughs> we serve a God with a big Y. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But I'm finding, friends, it's not just how you initially start and get immersed in our lives and callings in God's big Y. It's how you start every day that is a real key to kingdom advancement from our neighborhood to the nations. How we start every day, advancing the gospel. At the beginning of the year, let me say it this way. I wasn't looking for a New Year's resolution. Anybody else just not very good at New Year's resolution? I just stay. I stink at New Year's resolution. I wasn't looking for a New Year's resolution at all. But um, one morning, God blindsided me as I was laying in bed, getting ready to get out of bed with a challenge. I just felt the Spirit say to me very simply, I want you to start your day in heaven. I thought, Lord, what does that mean? All right, I want you to, I knew it was the Lord, but Lord, what do you mean starting my day in heaven? Um, And the journey into the scriptures and the journey he's been leading me on has had a direct impact on my mindset, on my outlook, on my faith. It's charging my batteries in brand new ways. And it's having a pretty big impact on my mornings as well all right Uh, so um several scriptures came to mind as the lord said to me i want you to start your day in heaven ephesians chapter one we are blessed in heavenly places ephesians 1 18 through 23 tells us christ is seated in heavenly places far above principalities and powers, and that all things are under His feet. In heavenly places, we read it in, in Ephesians chapter 2, that you and I, we are seated in heavenly places in Christ. Seated, catch this, past tense. It's a done deal. We are already seated in heavenly places in Christ, and all this stuff began to swirl in my brain. And, and as I thought about this, I just sensed the Lord, Lord saying, you're seated in heavenly places already, So I want you to start every day in heaven. Start every day before you get out of bed by taking your seat with me in heaven. How you start your day can make all the difference. Oh, since that time, I, I still wake up in the morning, sometimes anxious and sometimes lethargic, Sometimes frustrated, I still wake up in the morning wondering what emails are going to show up on my phone. I still wake up in the morning wondering who won the baseball game. We won't get into that. Come on, Nats, we got to get this done, all right? Uh, (laughs) Sports or politics or weather, these things want to pop into my mind immediately when I wake up. But taking those thoughts captive right away, Well, the Lord said, start your day in heaven, and it'll go much better on earth. Um, Heaven, as I've been thinking about this and praying, heaven's a place of perfect peace, guys. Nobody's wringing their hands over anything in heaven. And, and I start my day saying, "Lord, I'm seated in heavenly places with you. I just worship you, and I want your peace, heaven's peace, as I start my day. I don't want to caught up my anxiety. My uh, your peace, let it settle over my heart and mind through Jesus, m- the center of my thoughts. No stinking rabbit trails. My dad calls it stinking thinking. You guys know what stinking thinking is, huh? Uh, let it settle over the center of my emotions. God, not only do I want to experience and I want to I want to walk your peace with my good news shoes. I want to walk your peace into every situation." situation that i face today okay so seated in heaven god heaven's a place of perfect peace but heaven's also a place of clear perspective nothing's cloudy in heaven we live in a messy world We see through a glass darkly, but in heaven, everything is crystal clear. And I say, God, today, help me see things from your perspective and not mine. God, today, um, help, your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are, I want to operate out of your perspective in situations. And God begins speaking to me about things I'm facing, and God begins to bring clarity as I start my day in heaven. So heaven's a place of perfect peace, and heaven's a place of perfect perspective, but it's also a place of perfect power and authority. I say, God, I, I want to start my day ready to exercise your authority. This is prayer. This is intercession. This is spiritual warfare. This is the stuff you guys are talking about. God, I want to start my day ready to exercise. And God, what things are on your heart right now? And what things can I begin to bear down in prayer? You know, we are authorized because of the cross. Isn't that right? To walk in his authority in every situation. And God has just been stirring in me. We're seated. It is a done deal in heaven. We may not always feel like it, but it is our legal place because of the cross of Jesus Christ. I'm going to say church for the sake of family and community, for the sake of neighborhoods and nations. Let's start our day in heaven. S.D. Gordon, a great missionary statesman of a century ago said this, I believe it. All the fruit of mission and evangelism are merely the gathering up of results, first one in prayer. Say that again. All the fruit of mission and evangelism are merely the gathering up of results, first one in prayer. I'm tired of trying to figure out how to do it on my own. I'm tired of trying to set in motion plans I want to spend more time in intercession, catching God's heart, seeing clearly, exercising His authority as a way to move things forward and see people's lives change. Yeah. I'm Just where I'm at at this season of life, Jeff, I'm just saying it how it is. So for me, this, has become, this is going so far beyond this daily quiet time and Memorizing scripture, med- now, all those things are important, but this starting my day in heaven, taking my seat, has added a whole other dimension. I, I, I think by this stage in Paul's life, as he wrote the book of, of, of uh, Ephesians, things were pretty and simple and clear for him. He, he, four things were true for Paul. First of all, his citizenship was in heaven. All the rights and privileges and authority of heaven was his. He was a citizen of heaven, all right? Secondly, he was an ambassador to earth. He was to represent his sovereign in heaven on earth. He wasn't called to live on earth doing his thing. He was called to live on earth doing God's thing and to represent the mission and character and ways of his sovereign on planet earth. His citizenship was in heaven. His assignment as ambassador to earth His ministry was simply reconciliation, bringing two things together that are separated. And he was representing God and loving people and doing everything he could to bring the two together. Citizenship in heaven, ambassador to earth, ministry of reconciliation, and doing all he could do to the glory of God. Mm. And before we get all weirded out on the word glory, it's not, you know, hovering three feet off the ground and being otherworldly. I love this definition of what it means to glorify God. It simply means to enhance God's reputation in the eyes of others by how I live my life every day. To enhance God's reputation in the eyes of others by how I live my life every day. In Ephesians, it's clear: the moment we are saved, we have a seat in heaven. We we are seated in heaven to impact Earth. We prayed it. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it's being done in heaven 24-7. God, let us being seated in heaven bring the authority and the clarity and the peace of heaven to come to bear on earth. And make, but, but you know what? Heaven here and earth here, there's something going on right here. Scripture mentions the prince of the power of the air and principalities and powers. This is Ephesians 6. Put on your spiritual armor territory. This is Daniel 10 and 11 where Daniel prays and the archangel Michael says, man, 21 days, the day you first prayed, the answer was on its way. But I've been in battle here. The prince of Persia, that's not some video game. Prince of Persia. Okay, that's a real territorial prince. So so there's a battle going on and we're called to take the will of heaven. You know what I love? You know what makes heaven heaven? (laughs) Heaven's heaven because there's only one will. Imagine if we only had one will in our houses. If there was only one will in a church. Imagine if there was only one will in Congress. We won't go there. Heaven is heaven because there's only one will, and we're called to take the will of heaven and bring it to bear on earth. Principalities and powers. We are authorized to change the atmosphere on earth by doing spiritual warfare in the heavenly places. Seated in heaven, vision is birthed. Seated in heaven, burdens are lifted and burdens are received. I found myself um, seated in heaven, taking authority over things that are not of God. I found myself loving in prayer people that have been driving me crazy. Old friends come to mind as I am seated in heaven and praying... Things move from the complicated to clarity as I take my seat. So, it's about our starting point. Starting our day accessing heaven's peace, heaven's perspective, and heaven's power. Um, I got to thinking about this perspective stuff. Um, For those of you that maybe have hair the color of mine, or you're getting a little older, are, are things um, a lot less clearer today than when you were younger? <laughs> Isn't life in general just cloudy? You, don't, you know what I'm talking about? Cloudy, and co- We live in a cloudy and complicated world, and when I was a kid, there were things that were stress-reducing that are actually stress-producing today. I mean, seriously, community was, you know, we played in everybody's backyards. Nobody worried about riding their bikes late at night. You know, community was stress reducing, stress producing. Now, family, stress reducing is much more stress producing, 21st century. How about authority? You just trusted authority. No questions. Stress producing in some places today. Protective knowledge. Protective knowledge. There were things for kids that you didn't learn about them until you reached a certain age. And that was stress-reducing. But today, knowledge is stress-producing. How about moral certainty? When I was growing up, some things were always wrong and some things were always right, and that's just how it was. But it's so fuzzy in today's world. I I thought about this one. Um, When I was a kid, technology was pretty stress-reducing. It was pretty simple. It's not just because I'm old and I can't figure out how to work things, all right? But, uh, you know, Jeff and I, we were born on planet 8-track, all right? <laughs> okay? And, and back then, you, you just turned on a radio. It wasn't a big deal. Or, or you had to adjust the rabbit ears on the antenna. so you didn't have all those vertical lines on the television set. Anybody remember all that stuff? And, and what's a microwave anyways? But technology is so stress-producing for the next generation today. When we start our day in heaven god let me experience heaven's peace today and walk it into every situation let me walk in heaven's perspective and clarity and let me walk in heaven's authority and power i i love the story in second kings chapter six elisha is the prophet king of aram uh, is in battle with the israelites he thinks he has a mole in his cabinet. Where are the leaks coming from, guys? He's got his whole cabinet. I, I know there's leaks going on. Who's sharing intel with the enemy? Because every time I'm ready to make a move, the king of Israel knows about it before I make the move. And, and the guys are saying, no, 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 it's none of us, king. It's Elisha. It's the prophet. God's telling him everything you're about to do. So where is he? I want to find him. So so Elijah's holed up in this little town called Dothan. He and his servant live probably in this tiny little cottage, and it's peaceful and relaxing and all that. And one morning, his servant wakes up a little bit earlier than Elijah. He goes to the window, opens the windows. And I picture him rubbing his eyes, and he looks out, and everywhere he sees is the army of Aram and the chariots. They're just filling the mountains. Just, everywhere he looks is the enemy. And, and he is freaking out. Elijah, 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 wake up. You Get over here. you got to see what's going on. And Elijah walks over, and I just picture him looking out the window, and then going back and crawling back in bed. And all Elijah said was, "This Lord, open my servant's eyes." The servant goes back, and he says, "Oh, Elijah, Elijah, the chariots and the armies of God everywhere." From that little story. Can we simply say that Elijah had started his day in heaven Mm -hmm. in a place of peace and perspective and power? His servant started his day on earth in a place of anxiety, confusion, and fear. And with heaven's perspective, Elisha took authority in the situation and brought God's breakthrough and blessing to his people. He the, The army is smitten with blindness, and he leads them. He says, come on, I'll take you to where you want to go. And he leads them right to his king. And Elisha not only brought breakthrough and blessing for himself and his servant, but he brought breakthrough and blessing to his family. He brought breakthrough and blessing to his community. He brought breakthrough and blessing to his entire nation starting his day in heaven. It was General William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, that um, had a burden for his city, London. London, one of the most wicked cities on earth at that time. May not be a whole lot different today, although I love it. And General William Booth started the Salvation Army. It was part church, it was part business, it was part social enterprise. It was God's work, it was God's call in his life. Um, General Booth was rooted in God's big why, for God so loved the world. And his heart broke for the lost in London. The Sally Army would rapidly expand across the U.K., would hop the channel and go on to the continent, ultimately would hop the pond and come to America. And decades later, when William Booth was further along in life, uh, there was a big convention planned in New York City for all the Salvation Army workers in North America. They were so excited because the general was coming. The general's coming. He's going to introduce us himself. They couldn't wait to convene on New York City and have an, an amazing conference and ministry time together. Well, a few weeks before, uh, General Booth found out from his physician that he would not be allowed to make the journey. He was too ill. And traveling across the pond by ship, he was just not up for it. They decided that they would open that conference with a with a telegraph or a telegram from, from the general himself. And um, the place was a buzz, totally packed out. The guy who was opening the conference by reading the telegram decided not to read it in advance. He wanted to be surprised at the general's words just like everybody else. And, and as he stepped to the pulpit, thing, or the platform, everything got really quiet. And he opened it up and he paused for a minute with a little bit of a quizzical look on his face. Because when he looked at the telegram, it only had one word on it. And that word was others. others friends it's not just about how we finish but it's about how we start why begin with God's big why over our lives no matter what our calling and career track is because of others why start your day in heaven saying God may I walk in your peace and perspective and power today others it's all about others why the warfare against you and the dreams that God is putting in your heart? It's not just about you. The battle's not just about you. Right. God knows if he can get you off track or take you out, it's not just about you, but it'll have a domino effect on every person you are to influence in your lifetime, every situation you're to walk his peace into, every opportunity for reconciliation. It's the, the battle you're going through right now is not just about you. It's all about others. You know, the Bible, the Word of God is a finished book, 66 books linked together by a wonderful theme of God's love for others, love for the nations. It's a finished book, but the story of God is still being written on planet earth today. And God wants to write a really cool chapter in his book in this next season, Clear River Church. God wants to write an amazing chapter in the book of God through your life as we keep the main thing the main thing. Focus on the big picture, God's big dream, all right? And start our day in heaven. As we come to the table of the Lord today, it's all about remembering, isn't that right? So let's remember. as we take the bread and the cup let's remember our lord who made his life on earth all about others and walked solely devoted to god's big dream and the big why of the kingdom of god as we remember and take the bread in the cup today let's with bread and cup in hand commit to following in his footsteps saying lord Let my life be all about others as yours was. Mm -hmm. And help me to start my day in heaven and every day to walk your peace and your perspective and your power into my world. It's all about others. As we come to the table of the Lord, God bless you, church.